Thanks for joining us for BIB Today, the daily business podcast from the newsroom of business in Vancouver. I'm Kirk LaPointe, Editor-in-Chief. Next week is known in the tech community and the business community at large, in fact, as Startup Week. It's an opportunity to not only recognize our city as a significant center of emerging businesses, but also to understand the challenges that come with it. My guest today has much experience in the role of recruiting and retaining uh, talent, one of the critical issues in this space. Charlene Fothergill is the Director of Career Services at Lighthouse Labs. She's seen through such operations as Grow Lab and Launch Academy, the importance of developing local talent, and it's a subject we're going to explore now. Uh, Good to have you with us. Thanks for having me. Hey, listen, in, in the London subway, they, they tell you to mind the gap, mind, mind the gap. Uh, let, <laughs> let's talk about the gap here. What kind of gap do we have in this city? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the talent gap is, is definitely not um, just to Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely a global talent gap. And, you know, the, the real reason the talent gap exists in specific to um, not just technical talent, all talent in general is just the population and kind of the the bubble of people, how the nature of work has changed, the type of industries that have become prevalent over the years just has really exploded and changed. We have the knowledge economy that kind of came to be. We have uh, tech and that kind of bubble really got bigger really quickly. And just kind of the training institutes, which essentially prepare talent, really are kind of struggling to catch up. And, you know, we have things like boot camps that allow a little bit more um, quicker kind of uh, turnout of talent and great hands-on industry-specific talent, but they've only been around for about five years. So there's still that um, kind of catch-up that's happening that we see very much in the tech industry in general. Yeah, I was going to ask, what kind of catch-up are we truly playing here? Is it is it an enormous one, or are we getting closer to narrowing that gap? Yeah, I think we're getting closer to narrowing the gap with education changing. So I actually used to have to recruit developers. Um, this was probably about eight, nine years ago when Ruby on Rails was kind of the, the hot new uh, language that people were developing in. And I remember at that time um, actually talking to UBC and kind of seeing what sort of um, talent they were producing. And the bottom line is just from what the industry needed in regards to space, there wasn't enough graduates happening out of comp sci programs. Because at that time, that was really the kind of seeing the way to to have that talent and develop that talent was those four-year. And, you know, then there were two-year college programs that were essentially doing the same thing. But, you know, that's four years. That's, uh, you know, people that have to have to go into those programs. And we have a lot of international students in Vancouver and in Canada in general that not everyone else graduating from the programs was staying in Canada to take jobs or even Canadians often were getting other opportunities. So there was just a real kind of gap there. And then I think what happened is just in general, the tech industry started growing and booming a little bit quicker. And it just took a while for schools to catch up. So I think that in regards to junior talent and kind of like boot camp's been around for five years. So developer talent, we're starting to see kind of those intermediates come to, come into their own and really make that impact, but we're still a little bit behind. So the industry just moves faster than the education world. Can you uh, pinpoint in a couple of cases where uh, perhaps there was just a miscalculation on the part of either uh, the school programs that were trying to graduate students into the field or industry in not anticipating what it was necessarily going to need? Are, are there particular particular skill sets that you think that you know maybe we just just entirely missed it uh in regards to specific skill sets i'm not sure i mean definitely new positions in tech 
came to be, you know, social media coordinator and some of those kind of marketing roles, the emphasis on product and user experience, UX, UI, those kind of things. You know, there were very few people focused on that. And that's definitely something that most companies need nowadays. So there's, there's definitely less talent available in some of those ways. But in general, universities and, and kind of the formal academic institutions, there isn't a great feedback loop between them and industry. And that, that goes for everything. I mean, I was definitely have a degree in teaching. Um, and I was definitely part of that bubble that was told in, in high school that we're going to need teachers. And by the time I graduated from teacher's college, there was a huge, you know, amount number of teachers that were unemployed because right. the boomers hadn't retired yet to make room for that. So that happens across the board and it is a pretty uh, natural thing. Just like I said, there's no actual feedback loop for industry versus um versus talking to the school. I, I'm not sure if that's looking to be improved upon. So I don't think nothing was necessarily missed. I also think the tech industry exploded. The the use of iPhones, smartphones, and mobile first became a thing that maybe wasn't always the case. And, and we had had more sustainable growth previous to kind of some of the things that happened in regards to technology innovation. How, how much of this also, Charlene, is, uh, is a demographic issue uh, where um, essentially you just have a smaller population base upon which to draw in order to populate a lot of these uh, new positions? Oh, 100%. Um, I've sat on a couple uh, committees that, that have been analyzing certain things, and the bottom line is there's not enough population uh, to with, with the people retiring and coming up to retirement, and that's obviously looking like a different age. Not everyone retires at 65 anymore, but there's just not enough population to fill those roles. And then on top of that, the, the nature of roles have changed and the nature of work has changed. So absolutely, there's a, there's a, uh, a fundamental population issue at play as well. I want to take a look at some of our specific issues here in, in our region, but I want to start with, a, with comparing us a bit to a city, say Toronto, also a pretty expensive one. It's also been, I think, the largest home of, of both startups and new employment in North America now for, for a couple of years. What is Toronto doing, in your view, that, say, Vancouver isn't yet? Um, I mean, I don't think Vancouver and Toronto are necessarily doing anything different. I think they're just different cities. I mean, Toronto's got a larger population than Vancouver. It's always been seen as kind of where head offices are in Canada. So it makes sense that naturally, you know, if I was a company looking to establish or grow in Canada, there, there's a larger population, there's more universities kind of in the area, all those kind of things feed a general economy. So I think that's just a lot of it is we've always just been a little bit more of a I don't want to go as far as say a secondary market in Canada, but we definitely have never been the same as Toronto in regards to business in general. Yeah, although of course we offer um, we offer this beauty, this scenery, this uh, environment um, that captures a lot of people at an early stage because of the lifestyle that it can also offer. And yet, uh, you know what? What of course we hear anecdotally, and I think even in surveys, is that a lot of people find it uh, atrociously unaffordable to place themselves here at an early stage of a career. And and they often get even tantalized by places like Seattle with a lot more money. Uh, what what do you think are the, you know, the, the intrinsic challenges for a city like Vancouver, as you see it? Yeah, I think those are our huge challenges. And I mean, the great thing kind of looping back to the importance of making sure startups are supported and talking about startups, 
is when there is economic growth and when there's businesses in Vancouver, that creates pressure to do something about it. And I know, I've, again, I've sat on um, the Vancouver Economic Commission, has had this discussion in some of their studies and findings in order to build Vancouver as a, a better place to foster um, this type of environment. So those conversations are happening. Obviously, the more success Vancouver experiences, the more pressure for potential changes that can help that. But I mean, yeah, that's definitely reality. I think, again, I think it stands across all industries. And, you know, I'm, I'm definitely someone who was born and raised in Vancouver. So I hope to never have to leave. But absolutely. I mean, that idea of Vancouver being unaffordable. However, I would say, you know, downtown Toronto, if, if that's kind of lifestyle you want to live in the downtown area, isn't, from what I'm hearing, any more affordable. Um, yeah. I think yeah. one of the challenges, too, um, I've done salary and compens um, compensation uh, across the country for most of my career, and there's a variance in pay as well. For whatever reason, you know, we kind of joke or uh, call it the sunshine tax here in Vancouver. You know, we do pay a premium in regards to even just salaries tending to be lower in Vancouver yes. than other provinces, and, yeah. and that's a really complicated thing that I have, I have no insight into kind of why that is. But again, these things span across industries, and they're bigger problems than just the bubble of tech and tech startups, but absolutely in an emerging uh, economy, an emerging industry, kind of an entrepreneurial industry, we often feel those effects a little bit more prevalent than other industries that are a little bit more established. Yeah, I've heard that term sunshine tax before too, and, and it, uh, it really is reflected in the fact that I think we have only about the 11th best per capita GDP uh, for per income, uh, for income, and and, and that's pretty extraordinary for a, for a city like this that is really Canada's third largest market. Uh, what I wonder about is is what what are employers saying about what is necessary in the way of policy in order to help them and you know, not just recruit but obviously retain the necessary talent in order for them to grow properly here. Yeah, I mean, industry is definitely talking to government. We've seen changes in in kind of the provincial government stepping up and trying to to make changes or come up with solutions and start that ball rolling to solve some of these problems because it impacts Vancouver's economy. Like I said, definitely the more economic influence that the tech community has by creating success stories in Vancouver, by, uh, you know, helping companies grow and then kind of doing that legwork allows more pressure to be put on. Um, you know, I think at the end of the day, employers are probably less concerned, definitely us as an employer and, and us as a school, less concerned about the how and how that happens and more just about the impact it has on talent. So employers, you know, at the end of the day, they're, they're working to attract and retain talent. And yes, those outside factors may make that more complicated. But the good news is there is lots of things um, employers can do internally. And that's definitely any employer feeling stressed, I would say, before, you know, you blame it on the housing crisis or blame it on whatever tough immigration policies, which are changing because of that economic pressure as well to attract talent, you know, really make sure that you're doing what isn't within your power, right? There's a lot of things companies can do to attract and retain talent that is well within their internal operations and internal policies. And, you know, HR folks are having those conversations to get more creative and to work within the constraints of the outside factors to, you know, um, allow their individual businesses and companies to to grow uh, to the best of their ability. When you say they're getting creative, uh I presume that isn't just all about money. Um, th there must be other types of things that are being um, offered in these cases in order to try to retain talent. What What's the innovation in that space that you're seeing? 
Yeah, I think um, in regards to how we look at work. So kind of the old way of looking at work is that nine to five, you have to be in the office to do jobs. And some of the realities is people are living in, in the suburbs. They're living in Langley. They're living in Abbotsford because of affordability issues and, and yeah. people wanting a lifestyle that's not a one-bedroom condo with three kids kind of thing. Um, so, you know, companies are doing remote workers. Um, they're allowing people to work from home and really just making sure there's clear KPIs of being able to say, is this person getting their job done? Okay, well, then you don't need to sit in this spot from nine to five. Uh, the other thing is just creativity around talent. So um, there's lots of uh, offshore teams. Um, there's ways to, you know, engage folks that maybe don't live in Vancouver, that live in uh, rural areas of BC, Canada, as well as overseas to get that work done. And those kind of solutions allow you to, you know, look outside the box in regards to just relying on talent that's willing to commute to downtown Vancouver to to um, fill the, the positions you have. Um, and then I think this is it's a little bit of a generation of what's important to people, you know, work-life balance, flexibility, that telecommuting thing. Um, are all aspects that, you know, companies are looking to give employees what's really important to them um, in order to help attract and retain them. And the technology is now pretty much there to be able to accommodate that, right? I mean, it, it wasn't so long ago where there still were, you know, you know bandwidth issues and, and you know, the, the inability to kind of, uh, you know, remotely work with servers uh, in order to do a lot of this um, highly skilled work. Now it's pretty much there. Is 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 that is that also one of the promises of 5G? Yeah, I think um, obviously the more we can enable technology, I think my understanding, I'm not super versed with 5G, but I think that's really going to empower more of kind of uh, rural communities and areas that maybe didn't have as great access. Um, for sure, it just, those tools exist. Um, it's not uncommon. There's tons of companies I talk to that are completely remote. The head office or the founder is here in Vancouver and all their devs are spread all over North America, all over the world. And there's, you know, really no technology reasons that you can't do that. Now, cultural business process, does that make sense for your business are, are kind of more of the the areas for sure. You talk about uh, this scattered workforce, and and I think a lot of Vancouver companies uh, definitely tap into that. Uh, we you know we we're doing business across various time zones and all that. But also there, there's the other challenge, which is how do you get this startup to be here and here and here, and not not find itself uh, being gobbled up and and moved off to another place. Again, what what do we need in the way of of uh, Again, probably pointing to policy that would uh, that would retain companies so that they they grow here and they frankly put their roots down here and stay. Yeah, absolutely. Which is really important. You know, success is a domino effect. If you can grow successful companies in Vancouver, those companies breed more success. They breed attract more talent, they attract more customers, they attract more investments, they're able to acquire smaller companies. And that's a really important cycle. So kind of in the startup space, I think one of the key things is VC funding. It's kind of like you need the money to hire the people to grow the business. Um, so, you know, attracting investors, making sure investors know about Canada, um, know about Vancouver as a place where there's great startups is really important. There's lots of programs and resources in Vancouver um, and in Canada-wide that help encourage that. And that's their whole mandate to kind of encourage and attract uh, investors to, to kind of inject that cash into startups to be able to grow and kind of become these success stories. Uh, the other thing is obviously policies, which again, there's lots of great things happening. There's a lot of pressure when you have an economic, um, you know, a 
something that's producing economic um, success, it puts a lot of pressure on policy. So we've seen changes in immigration that makes it easier to bring in those intermediate and senior level uh, developers that then allow you to hire local juniors because they're able to be trained up. Um, You know, there's a lot of tax credits out there for small businesses. There's a lot of grant programs that try to make hiring um, more successful. So all of those kind of things definitely help spawn those success stories, which are so important for that domino effect. Yeah, we we talk often about uh, anchor companies um, and and all of this, and obviously we we've had them in our community uh, in the last decade yeah, or so. It, it, who who do you think might be the next anchor anchor company or, or two? Yeah, I mean Canadian based. Uh, yeah, uh, well, I mean Clio just raised two hundred sixty million dollars in a yeah. Series D, so that's yeah. pretty and, and pretty impressive. Um, you know, we've definitely had some big things. Broadband TV was a big one. Um, a few years back, I mean, obviously with Amazon coming in and that definitely, uh, you know, become, they become an anchor tenant in Vancouver and an anchor, an anchor tech company in Vancouver. And they naturally are going to attract uh, talent. You know, this is a huge company that has the huge ability to recruit talent into Vancouver, right? And yes, those folks might start by working at Amazon, but not everyone is, you know, wanting to work at a big company or folks go and they work at Amazon for two, three years, they gain that experience and then they start their own company and they're better entrepreneurs for having had that exposure or they recruit new graduates from all over the world into Amazon. Those folks cut their teeth there, learn those skills, and then they join other tech companies. So again, it's that domino effect from success that's really important and it starts, it, it, everything's interconnected and it really starts by supporting the startup, but it's also making sure that we are creating our next giants as well as leveraging and kind of embracing the tech companies that are coming in and seeing Vancouver as a great place to build their company and bring their brand and their clout to the table. Um, you know, I can definitely, I'm going to assume that when Amazon, who employs, you know, what is it, 4,000 people are going to be joining Amazon or something like that in the next couple of years, um, you know, when they have trouble finding talent, when they're having trouble with housing stuff, when they're having trouble with taxes, like that's a huge powerhouse at the table to drive those conversations that the rest of us benefit from. Yeah. And, and so in, in our conversation, we've looked at, uh, you know, the encouragement that companies are, are providing in order to uh, recruit and retain um, some of the challenges that are there. It, it, as, as you see it now, as someone with a lot of experience in watching this uh, field evolve, is there still something that, that just we can't quite fix as a community? Um, just in regards to like challenges with retention and training yeah. talent specifically. Yeah, I mean, I think we're a smaller community. I think, you know, one of the challenges with being a little bit smaller is, and it's why places like Amazon choosing to set up shop here, I think are really important. And although there's cons to that, um, I think the pros and what that's going to bring outweighs it. I think, you know, we do need to grow those big companies because there's not that many there. And there's still the mentality that you have to go to Toronto or you have to go to San Francisco to really take that next step in your career. So less about the junior talent, but more those senior executive strategic hires. I think that, you know, we have to work a little bit harder to keep them in Vancouver, um, which are some of the challenges. Obviously, our housing market doesn't help um, us being a smaller city as well. There's just less population. So we're yeah. going to always have more challenges than maybe a larger city with a larger population, those sort of things. But, um, you know, I, I don't think our challenges are unique to anyone else's challenges, I think. And, th- and that's on us to, you know, rise up and figure out how to solve our own challenges. Yeah, we often do forget how small a market we are. 
when when you consider what oh, yeah. uh, markets were competing with in all of this. Yeah. But, I, it, but it's all relative. In some cases, like I've definitely met with companies in Kelowna. So Kelowna has an amazing uh, tech hub, amazing mm. startup. They've had a lot of successful exits and, and, and good stories that have come out of Kelowna. And they actually, you know, have the, same, the opposite problem where they're actually coming to Vancouver to find talent or going to Calgary to find talent because their market's even smaller. And, and same with uh, Victoria. We have, we have a, a campus in Victoria Lighthouse Labs, very connected with that startup scene. Again, having a close-knit community actually benefits the startup scene, but it does make, you know, smaller markets make it more challenging to grow in regards to talent. They're looking to Vancouver. So in some cases, we're, we're the bigger company that, or the bigger uh, talent pool and market that uh, companies can benefit from. Um, in other cases, we're disadvantaged by being that smaller market as well. So it'll all be solved by the end of Startup Week next week, right? Oh, totally. That's that's the whole objective of Startup Week. (laughs) Charlene, it's been great talking to you. Thanks so much for your help today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Charlene Fothergill is Director of Career Services at Lighthouse Lab. You've been listening to BIB Today. I'm Kirk LaPointe. Thanks a lot for listening. We'll see you next time. 